0: Hello and welcome to Contact High. In honor of Transgender Day of Remembrance, we were honored to welcome special guest Drosher, Avery Komlovsky, a graduate of Mishkan's conversion and affirmation program, Blueprint. Rabbi Stephen also led us in the Mourner's Kaddish for all we have lost this year to acts of transphobic violence. Now, take it away, Rabbi. So one of the great joys that I get to have... Uh, as a rabbi is I get to teach some pretty extraordinary people um, and in teaching I actually end up learning so much for the, from them um, that they become my teachers in turn and so I'm very excited to introduce to all of you uh avery who is one of our blueprint students last year who just joined the jewish people this summer and we are so much better for having him as part of our people as part of our community um and he's going to share some words of torah this evening i'm really excited for all of you to get to sit at his feet as i've also gotten to over this past year so avery i hand it over to you
1: thank you Uh, i really appreciate it um hi everybody uh you probably know me as Avery, if you know me, but my name as a member of the Jewish people is Ben Benavraham Visara. The name Ruvain means behold a son, or as Rabbi Lizard masterfully translates, look, a boy. Over the last few years, I've been on two very important personal journeys. Not only have I been growing into my Jewishness, having finished my conversion in August of this year, but I've also been coming into myself as a transgender man. I chose Ruvein as a way to document both of these journeys together, not as distinct axes of identity, but as the two helixes that make up the DNA of the person I'm becoming. Turns out there's a lot of overlap. If you'd met me six years ago, you would barely have met me. I hadn't met me yet. I was still clinging desperately not only to my alleged womanhood, but to the last dregs of my Catholic faith. I was living in a cartoonish mascot suit. I was a caricature of the person I was raised to be. I don't know if you've ever tried to have a conversation with the person in a mascot suit who refuses to break character, but I can't imagine it's a great way to form meaningful connections. I couldn't be real, couldn't be happy, couldn't make an impact on anyone around me until I took off that stupid suit. But to do that, I'd have to understand who was underneath it. I'd have to achieve my final form as a nice Jewish boy. <laughs> I celebrated my 5-year anniversary of coming out to myself last week. Uh I'm 3 years on hormones and almost 2 years since I got my top surgery. As my body started to take a shape that reflected me, I felt like I could finally connect with it. But honestly, I don't think I got all the way there until I thought of my body as a Jewish one. Judaism is an embodied religion, is a phrase I've heard and said a lot. We fast on Yom Kippur. We turn to greet the Shabbos bride. We stand and bow throughout our services. We touch our tzitzit to the Torah as it's carried through the space. We throw stones in the river for taslich. taslich, we We smell the spices and feel the warmth of the candle for havdalah. I could go on and on. We even have a blessing for using the bathroom. All of that makes us aware of how we're physical beings in the world, but it's more than that. Judaism has helped me remember that, as a physical being, I have an effect on the equally physical world around me. My journey as a trans man has given me a body, and my journey as a Jew is teaching me how to use it. Ruvain is also the name of the first son of Jacob, one of the subjects of this week's Torah portion. Upon reading, though, I found myself drawn not to Jacob, but to Esau. I have found that sometimes when you're reading the Torah, you come across something that seems absolutely ridiculous on its face. I always get really excited when I see moments like that, because it usually means that there's something I'm missing. (laughs) Why would Esau give his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of stew? Are we meant to assume that he's just that short-sighted, just impulsive? That could be true, but it doesn't line up with what we see of him later in the story. After his little brother pretends to be him to get a blessing from their father, draping himself in furs to mimic Esau's thick body hair, Esau was ready to kill Jacob. He held back, though, so he could take an appropriate time to mourn Isaac, their father's passing. That doesn't sound impulsive. There has to be more to it. I assumed, Jews being who we are, that there were a hundred more of us working through the same problem. So I started looking for their answers. The opinion that finally caught my interest came from a commentary book called Torah Queries, spelled Q-U-E-E-R, where non-binary Rabbi Sarah Lev suggests an interpretation I'm embarrassed I didn't think of sooner. Maybe Esau wasn't tricked by his rumbling stomach and wily brother. Maybe, on some level, he didn't want his birthright in the first place. Genesis 25, 28 says that Isaac preferred Esau because, quote, the hunt was in his mouth, end quote, and that their mother, Rebecca, favored Jacob. There are a few interesting things in that verse. First, it's not totally clear whether that means Isaac's mouth or Esau's. Does Esau hunt because he cares about it or for his father's approval? To add to that, the verse gives a reason for Isaac's favor, but not for Rebecca's. Her love for Jacob, going by this verse, is unconditional. The translation I read described Esau not as just giving up, but spurning his birthright. The one Rabbi Sarah cited used the even harsher word, despised. It sounds to me less like Esau was so starving that a morsel of stew was just as good as his place as future head of the family, and more like he'd rather be rid of that position than not. I can relate. I'm the eldest child in my family. My parents had a lot of expectations for me, and you can basically track my history by when and how spectacularly I failed to live up to them. Even when I did make them proud... The relief that I hadn't disappointed them was tinted with terror that I wouldn't be able to keep it up, that I'd inevitably fall back into the land of not being what I was supposed to be. In coming out as trans, I broke the biggest expectation possible. It was heartbreaking to watch my parents grieve the version of me they'd imagined, but with that came a freedom I never thought I could feel. For the first time, I was living a life I had crafted entirely for myself. I wasn't trying to follow any paths that had been set out for me. I couldn't. I was finally looking to myself, asking what I wanted, and living that life. I can imagine the pain Esau must have felt from failing to live up to his father's expectations, but I can also imagine the relief knowing that responsibility was finally off his shoulders. He was trapped in masculinity the same way I was trapped in my gender expectations. Jacob was the one literally wearing a costume, but I think Esau was wearing one too. I think his firstborn, patriarchal, masculine presentation was as much a mascot suit as the one I wore before I came out to myself. We see Esau again later in Genesis. Jacob, having finally left the lands of his father-in-law, has to pass through the land of Seir, where his brother lives. Understandably, Jacob is terrified that Esau will kill him, Especially when he hears his brother is traveling with 400 men. Esau, though, does no such thing. He embraces him, weeps, and attempts to reject the offerings Jacob brought to gain his favor because, in his own words, he has enough. This is the real Esau, the one who has shed the expectations of who he should be to be authentically himself, vulnerable, forgiving, able to love others, and, most importantly, To love himself. Neither being trans nor Jewish is an easy thing to be. Right now, transphobia and anti Semitism are thick in the air. It's nearly impossible to escape regular reminders of it. But I wouldn't trade either of those identities for anything. I've gotten to know so many of my closest friends because of the inherent solidarity and community we felt as queer people. And my journey into Judaism has helped me find a home in Mishkan. Being queer, being Jewish, has expanded the world I can imagine. And that, in turn, has made me a better friend, a better partner, and a better community member. I know I'm very lucky. There are so many queer and Jewish people that are isolated, scared, and unable to live their authentic lives. Uh, this coming Monday is Transgender Day of Remembrance, and the losses my community has felt due to the impression and violence inflicted upon us are palpable. But my people, queers and Jews alike, are resilient. I look to the strength of those that came before me, the people that stood tall as their authentic selves when the threat posed by doing so was bigger and more immediate, and I know I carry the strength of that lineage. I also know that I carry its responsibility. My Jewish education has even given me a name for it in Tikkun Alam, Repairing the World. As marginalized people, we are acutely aware of the things that are wrong and the people that are being hurt. And that makes us the most galvanized to do something about it. If I can make the world just a little bit better through being loud about who I am, through care, through community, I must. And I take on that responsibility joyfully. I don't always do it perfectly, but I'm always prepared to try. And I have amazing people in my life to back me up. You all might know me as Avery, if you know me. But my Hebrew name is Ruvain Ben Avraham Visara. Ruvain means behold a son. I am the son of a lineage of incredible trans people, queer people, and Jewish people. I needed both journeys to become the person I am today. Someone with powerful empathy and love and the drive to use that to heal the world in whatever way I can. For the first time in my life, I feel like I've really found myself. Like Esau, I felt the heavy pressure of expectation and the pain and relief of not measuring up. And like Esau, now I have enough. Thank you for listening and Shabbat Shalom.
0: Thank you, Avery. That was just, see, I told you folks. Truly, it's amazing to be able to hear the Torah that emerges, um, as people learn and grow and explore and fully step into the person who they were meant to be. Um, thank you. Thank you for sharing your, your inspiring words, your call to action. Um, I think really found in the reminder that one of the most powerful things that we can do in these moments when we are faced with hate is to be even more unapologetically ourselves. As Avery mentioned, this Monday is transgender day of remembrance. It's a day of thinking of all of those who've lost their lives in the past year due to the violence against transgender people and gender non-conforming folks. So in a moment, we're going to say the Mourner's Kaddish, but before we do, I'm going to read the names of those who we know about in the United States who were killed because of their identity as a trans person in this past year. London Price. 26 Lisa Love, 35 Anae Johnson, 30 Dominic Dupree, 25 China Long, 30 Yoko, 30 Sherilyn Marjorie, 35 Kylie Manali, 41 Luis Angel Diaz Castro, 22 Thomas Tom Tom Robertson, 28 Devani Jaree Johnson, twenty-eight; Jacob Williamson, eighteen; Chanel Perez Ortiz, twenty-nine; Shia Davis, thirty-four; Banco Brown, twenty-four; Rashida Williams, thirty-five; Ashley Burton, thirty-seven; Tasia Woodland, eighteen; Tojuguiza. 26. Kashay B. Henderson, 31. Imanit Vitaho Zachi, 26. Maria Fair, 22. Jasmine Starmac 36. And Unique Banks, 21. And we think of all of those that we don't know about. And we vow to make their memories not only for a blessing, but for a revolution as well as we fight to make this country and the world a safe place for everyone, regardless of their gender expression or identity, a place that not only folks are safe, but also celebrated for being exactly who they're meant to be, the people that they're meant to emerge as into this world and the gifts that they bring, that they uniquely share with each and every one of us. And we mourn the gifts that were taken away from us, through violence, through unnecessary violence, with the death of these individuals. If you're also thinking of somebody tonight, whether you're in a period of mourning or observing a yard site, I invite you to rise as you're able for Kaddish Tom, the mourner's Kaddish. (laughs) Yitkadal v'Yitkadash Shemei Rabbah v'alma divrach hirutei v'amlich malchutei v'chayachon v'yomechon v'chayed Israel v'israel v'agala Kari Vit Mru amen. Yehei sh'mei rabba m'v'rach l'olam u'mei almayam. Yit barach v'yishtabach v'p'ar v'it-roman v'it-nasei vyit Hadar v'it-ale v'it-halal sh'mei de-kudasha v'richo La'ela ela mikol birchata ve shirata tushperchata ve nachmata ta amiran amen ye hay raba min shmaya ve haim aleinu val koiser Vimru amen o se Shalom birumav hu ya se Shalom aleinu val koiser al val koyshtei val vimro amen Shabbat Replay is a production of Mishkan Chicago. Our theme music was composed and performed by Kalman Strauss. You can always see where and when our next service will be on our calendar. There's a link in the show notes. And if you appreciated the program, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I know you've heard it before, but it really does help. On behalf of Team Mishkan, thank you for listening.